y'all this is seba the southern pride witch and this is episode 38 of season two and today i wanted to share with y'all some of my failures specifically that of the garden this year was um while it was extraordinarily difficult we got off to a late start we had some really cold freezing knots back in let's see may <laughs> So uh, things didn't go well. They did not go well. We didn't get everything out as soon as we should have. And we certainly didn't get everything going when we needed to. So we're already a month behind. And the stink bugs, which are just uh, boogers from a lower level of hell, have attacked. And it may be the first year without a pumpkin. And that is just, um, well, that's sad. That's heartbreaking. We've already gone through our first round of green beans and they also were underneath that pest pressure. You know, when it's this hot for this long, uh, the bugs have their way. <laughs> they really do. And since we're an organic farm, we do some things. We do diatomaceous earth. We have our ways. We have a lot of little secret weapons, but altogether, it's just been a very rough growing season. And that doesn't bode well for our harvest. We we will have something. We have a CSA, so I'm giving away quite a lot of our food. But that is what we do when we have a CSA. What's important to me here is that I'm growing my own food. And the concept of food sovereignty has really hit home for me lately. A good friend of mine, and I'll leave her name out for protection, has told me to watch the uh, documentary Gather, and it was fantastic. I'll leave you to go check that out. It has a lot to do with the Apache Nation and getting back to native food sources and the ownership of our food, which to me, it is a human right. By the way, if y'all are telling that my voice sounds a little scratchy, Let's all hope together that I do not have COVID. I have missed it over and over and over, but my son now has it and I'm a little concerned because, um, well, I don't feel well and, uh, my partner's bringing home a COVID test, but it's not looking good. Anyway, I'm going to keep pushing on because that's what us witches do. Let me see if I can try to push past this weird fever I have and, um, this exhaustion and try to really talk to you about what I'm trying to say today. When I got back to growing my own food, it wasn't out of self-defense completely, as I've always thought it was. No, it wasn't. At the time, I still had enough money to feed myself, meaning go to the local grocery store, pick up what I needed, go buy a restaurant, pick up what I needed there. I had the money to eat. In recent years, things have gotten really tight. We are really struggling and keeping a farm afloat while trying to hold down, you know, several jobs. It does take a toll and we have gotten there. And this year taught me that. This year taught me that we have gotten there. 
well, I didn't mean to only have a hobby and the amount of time I'm allowed to spend past my regular jobs to go down there and work have kind of created a bit of a hobby look to this whole deal. And uh, believe me, the food's giving me back hobby-like food. (laughs) I mean, okra can't help herself. You know how okra is? Like, she can't help herself. Like, we're getting a gallon a day, but one cannot live on okra alone. And we're looking at a lot of changing times. I mean, we're looking at uh, global warming having a serious impact, and we don't necessarily think about all the ways that happens, but it's everywhere from, you know, pest pressure, which is a real thing, to really late freezes where we can't get our food out in time. It's been difficult. And because I'm an Aries and because I'm a tenacious, stubborn ass little witch, all it makes me want to do is try harder. And that's what I'm about to do. I don't ever look at any year as a complete failure. Because I mean, we tried and we did the best we could, hopefully. And it didn't work out for various reasons. We learn from that. We move on. That's kind of how I look at everything. But if I were going to call a year a failure when it came to the farm, it would be this one that we're in right now. So, yeah, we made some mistakes in the past. I had the luxury of growing new stuff, you know, like finding a new variety of something and and playing with it. And this past year, we tried Chinese red beans, uh, the long noodle beans. And that was, mm, no, that was a mistake. (laughs) If they get too big, I mean, yeah, they can grow that long, sure. But by the time they get there, you can't eat them. (laughs) They're hard as hell. And when they're skinny, and I mean really skinny, like maybe not even the whole width of a straw, the whole circumference of a straw, they're hard. and it's not real food. And this probably wasn't the best year to to replace at least, uh, I guess, a third of my bean line with something so frivolous. It did not work out. And I wish so much that I had done my rattlesnake green beans, but I didn't. But rather than giving up, I think the best course of action right now is for me to dig down deep and look to my roots and my ancestors and think through survival foods and the way that they were prepared and grown and harvested. And that's what we're going to have to get back to. No more fun little things, not for a while. We've got limited space. And if the bottom dropped out, we would not have food sovereignty at all. And that is a really important concept. I know a lot of, you know, conspiracy theorists and other folks, um, preppers, my husband being one of them, are really concerned right now about food safety. And normally I would say, well, it's going to be all right, but I'm starting to get a little concerned about food safety as well. You know, I look at how much money I spend, even though I'm growing food on convenience and how often I lean on that. There is a depth and a lesson or 50 that you can get from growing your own food. And just in this last year, you know, it was different the years before, but just in this last year, I let it go the way of uh, that thing I do, but not so integral to my life. And so I've made a mistake. I have. I have pulled away at a time I should not have. And, you know, I could say, well, It's just me. 
And if I can afford to feed me and my partner, we'll be okay. But it's not just me. It really isn't. Because today, my baby son, who is only 25 years old, with a little child of his own, called me and said, Mama, how do you grow onions? And it seemed so small of a question until I realized that, you know, I never taught that child how to grow food. They all just depend on me. Well, no, the oldest son does know how to grow food a little bit. He does. He would be okay. He would be able to make it. But the son with the baby doesn't know. And, you know, push all the conspiracy theories away that we might have to one day rely on ourselves to know how to grow a sweet potato. By the way, why would that be a bad thing? Anyway, push that all away and look to the fact that we are losing part of our ancestry and our connection to the deepest part of our lives, how we subsist, how we gather, you know, to borrow a term from that documentary, what the most important thing on the planet is if we're going to survive and trusting our, sorry, government and our current capitalistic systems to make sure that's going to be all right, honey. That's scary as hell to me. But then even push deeper. Another concern I have and will always have is that folks don't know, well, they don't have the experience to know the relationship we should have with our food. You know, a long time ago and very far away, we ate local and we ate native plants and we knew how to survive no matter what happened. And there were medicines in our food that we we used to just ingest and we understood that as a daily riot. And we're so far away from that now. You know, I'm, I'm always a little shocked at a witch who doesn't want to grow anything. I know that's, that's a purest thing in me. And I need to, I guess I need to push past that and dig in deeper and understand. And I do understand some things. I understand living in an apartment with a patio. I understand maybe renting somewhere where you can't grow anything. I understand some of that. What I don't understand is the lack of interest in growing your own food as a witch. It's like, sorry, double take. What? 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 (laughs) It is probably the closest you will ever get to the sacred, to the divine, to divinity in and of itself. You know, it's it's part of you. It's just whatever. I guess I'm being a bit of an asshole about it, but I don't get it. I don't get it any more than I get, by the way, while I'm hollering at anybody who doesn't want to grow their own food, how I don't get how the hell I let this last year slide on me. I knew it was important. You know, I'm going to end up with okra and some black beans and maybe a few watermelons, but damn if I didn't drop the ball otherwise. And this is part of the wheel of life. This is part of being on this planet. This is part of being magical. And if you wanted to connect with your ancestors, there is nothing you can do that gets closer. So I fucked up, y'all. I did. I started writing for a magazine this year and I guess spent a lot of my time trying to prove myself over there that I could pull that off. Well, Six articles in, I think I can pull that off and I've proved that too. But in the meantime, I've forgotten the most important thing I should have been doing. God, I do have a fever and I need to roll it back around. So my son called and wanted to know how to grow onions. 
And if for no other reason, I should have kept that garden going hard so that when he asked questions like this, I can show him. Now, I did grow onions last year and I did harvest them sometime in the depth of May. And I gave away most of them and kept a little bit for us, but he doesn't know how. And I didn't make any starts for him to look at. I also feel like I've dropped the ball with y'all because I haven't talked enough about it, about what it means to have food sovereignty, which is your natural innate right as a human being, not to mention a witch upon this earth to be able to grow your own damn food. I have known the joy of sitting down. I believe it was ratatouille that I'd made and everything in that dish had come from this land. Can you imagine the magic in that? The sun, the moon, the rain, all the living critters, everything had come together in my sweat and my blood to create that meal. Man, that was a magical meal. There's something about the connectivity that you don't get anywhere else. There's something about that. From the very first seed, you know, all the way through the tending, whether or not you sing to them or not, (laughs) the pruning, the love that you're giving, the harvest, and then the saving of seed again, it heals you. It can actually heal you to do this, whether it be something small or something large. I have a, a sweet little friend who's starting to come to our coven meets. We have a really tiny coven, but I don't know, something about her. She just feels like a a daughter of my heart. So I've been letting her come. And that was what she wanted me to talk about today. I think I'm not doing it service, (laughs) but she, you know, on our auditor consideration, you know, you got to try to grow something. And she wanted me to talk about it. You know, when my kids were little, they went to school. And I remember for science class, they got a bean, you know, like a little bean seed and They sprouted it in that little paper towel and brought it home in a cup. And that was the most magical thing. That's the thing they actually remember the most when they get older was this moment because they were connected to a plant that could give them food. Oh, wow. You know, it didn't come from a store. (laughs) And honestly, herbs are the uh, most easy thing for you to grow. If you can't grow watermelon and pumpkins and green beans. Well, you can grow thyme, honey. You can grow oregano and you can grow sage. All you need is a pot from Lowe's, honey, and you can grow that and it will bring you so much pleasure. But I just feel like we've become so divorced from it all, the need for it all. You know, that year that I grew three-fourths of my food from the land, well, our food bill was so low. I was actually trying and it was fun. Uh, yeah, it was more work, but it was good for me. You know, I, I lost a little weight because I'd been gaining a little bit here in my old age and got a lot of fresh air. I got exercise. The food was super local <laughs> and super organic. And like spiritually, I was so connected to everything that was going on in my environment. It was the healthiest year I've ever had. And even now, you know, in this uh, year, I didn't do so great. And of course, I'm being hard on myself. What I've done out there is probably more than a lot of folks, but still, I really dropped the ball. But even now, if I go back there and I look at that wall of canned goods, you know, 
tomatoes and pears and figs and green beans and I made my own tomato paste. Oh my God, that was the best shit in the whole entire world. None of that time was wasted. None of that time was frivolous. It was a learning experience and there was a relationship I actually had with Mother Earth that I had never had quite that way. I don't think they make a ritual for that, honey. You know, there's not a spell to make you that connected. Anyway, so for my little friend and you know who you are, I would start, I've said it before, but I'm let me say it again because I just don't feel like I'm getting through. I would start with something easy. And that for me would be herbs. I mean, I've grown oregano in pots before instead of in the ground and they come back every year. You know, so what if it gets a little too cold? You take it in your house for the winter and put it back out in the spring. Mm, Eight times out of ten, it's going to come back for you right from the root. And then I've done the same thing with, well, you can't do that with basil. You're going to have to just toughen up because it's not going to do that for you. I mean, you can grow it in a pot, but it's not going to live through the winter. Sage also kind of iffy that way. I've seen it come back, but mm, not always. But mint does it time. Time can live through almost anything, honey. You can grow your own herbs and make a very deep connection to some of the foods you're taking into your body instead of being so outside of it. You know, I don't know. I know not everyone can do it, but I feel like we don't always actually walk our talk. But we're Mother Earth people. This is who we are. You know, at heart, I'm a pagan. I'm a witch, as that's the way I live my paganness. But I'm a pagan at heart. And that means I love this earth and I love my connection to it. And I really don't want it super divorced. So I think I've said before if you really cannot grow your own food, if there's no way you can, find a local community garden and see if you can do it there. And if you can't do it there, find a local farmer's market and support the people who are doing it. Because this is the last frontier when it comes to magic. And we really need to revive it. We need to be able to be sovereign over the way we exist. And the way we exist is food. Can't get any more simple than that. And I just have dropped the ball. Sometimes we have to fall on our ass to learn. And I needed to fall on my ass to go, whoa, I needed more green beans. I needed more time in my garden. Even if it was sometimes in the triple digits in that high tunnel. I needed to be out there late at night. I fucked up. But it doesn't mean I gotta stay like that. You know, years ago I made my own tinctures out of everything from oregano to echinacea. And believe me, those things are good for your body. And I still have all that. And I know where a cheap bottle of vodka is. So (laughs) I can get back on that. I think more than anything tonight, I just wanted to reach out, sick or not, and say, if you can't grow it yourself, please find a way to connect to it again. It is our base right to be on this planet, to be able to grow our own food. It is. And, you know, for some of us, hunt or fish, it belongs to us. This is our right as inhabitants of the earth. And uh, we've gotten a little far from that, you know. I mean, the magic of it is just so common sense, y'all. If you pull back from the whole situation and you look at the conundrum of it all and you say to yourself, okay, people for eons 
created their own foods, grew their own foods from the land where they stood, with the medicines around them that grew where they stood. But now what we do is we go buy food that has been modified, trucked across the country, bled of most of its nutrients. I mean, by the time it's over with, it's not the same. It worries me that people don't know how to grow their own food. Even if they choose not to grow their own food, it feels like that should be like a standard, a standard class, y'all, where we were educated enough to know how, at least know how, you know, spend a summer on a farm growing up. That should be required. But y'all know it really does help to grow your own herbs anyway. I mean, the connection that you're already getting to the land, the connection you're already getting to local medicine, then the connection you're getting to your magic is just, well, baby, I'm here to tell you that stuff is real. I was just joking with my new young friend that there were code words back in the olden days, witch code words. And so when we're looking at all these fun ingredients, I'm thinking specifically now of like Eye of Newt which is a mustard seed, or fairy fingers, which is foxglove, or wool of a bat, which is holly leaves. These things were code. (laughs) They were code for usually herbs or something that was of a plant nature. And there is nothing more fun than growing your own spell work. That connection does drive, I guess, a deeper resonance to the things that we do as witches. I know that my own mugwort does do that. And I mean, while I'm always about giving back to other witches, and I do mean that. So if I couldn't actually grow my own mugwort, I would buy it from another witch that I trusted. While I'm always about that, to some extent, I feel like we are losing a possible derivative of a spell that we could be getting, I think, a lot deeper and a lot cleaner if we had grown our own herbs that go in that spell. And I think these kits that we're finding online, I think they're very helpful. And again, you know, if I'm tired or I haven't ever done it, but I could see an argument to to buy one, we can grow our own honey bunny. There is no need in half of it. Or at least harvest our own, you know? I've been growing my own green sage for a decade It's easy to grow. It's absolutely delicious with turkey. And it makes a fine-ass bundle. You don't need the white sage. I know that there's a lot of argument out there about the white sage, but you don't need it. You don't need to even touch it. As for bundles, you know, that you can use to burn away certain things, almost using as an incense, not necessarily as anything that is uh, co-opting another culture, I grow my own rosemary. We've done these kinds of sticks from rosemary, homegrown lavender, lemon balm, of course, the green sage, and it's all totally available in my own backyard. So there's no need to feel like I've appropriated anything. I think we all need to feel connected to our food. But what about the things that are going in our magic? I know that if I'm feeling this way about what I'm putting on the table for my family and how deeply I need that connection to be real and present and available in my own life, I feel the same way about the things that go into my magical work. 
which those things can get very expensive. And I don't want to knock anybody out of a job, but it's not that hard to grow these things. It really isn't. And there are ways to pull it off on a small scale. So I'm doing a new thing. I am challenging all of y'all. Anyone that would have access to, I guess, six to eight hours of sun a day, even if it were for a small pot, to grow something. Grow anything. Something that can go in your own spell work that you feel connected to. I'll do that. Don't let me forget. And uh, I'll do a neat prize for that. But I do want folks to try to do it. I also think it's really important to think what grows in your area. What is local to you. Y'all know I've done spells with mugwort I bought online. That was a long ass time ago. And I've done it with the ones that have been growing in my yard for the last decade. And I don't know. (laughs) My professional review would be it works better the latter way. It just does. The plant recognizes me. It recognizes my land, my intention, my energy. And it wants to help. You know, plants are medicine. They really are. And I think we forget that they can be medicine in the craft as well. Not just a tea that will heal you when you're sick, but one that'll help you get through a tough time, magically speaking. Get through a hurdle do shadow work, all those kinds of things. These herbs and these plants, they really do. Bat children, they want to help you. And that connection, if you can drive that up by growing your own, well, can you even imagine? I have a necklace made out of Job's tears. They're absolutely beautiful. I talked about them about a year ago. And they're in all these beautiful colors of black, blue, gray, and white. And uh, they were heritage seed that I had grown the year before. And then my son decided to grow them last year. And he carefully cleaned them all out and strung them up for me. And it's become the necklace I wear to do serious magical work. And those seeds, those, well, it's jewelry now. (laughs) It recognizes me and my energy flows better. It's just kind of fantastic, y'all. By the way, Jeb's tears will grow in a pot. Let me know if you need some. Well, I reckon that's enough pushing my little agenda about you growing your own food (laughs) or your own anything. I would say that if you can't do it, if you could at least check out what the source is and care a little bit more, I think we need to consider where something is grown, whether or not it was grown, you know, without harmful chemicals and pesticides and herbicides and what the energy of that land was. If we can figure that out at all, it goes a long way towards assuring that our spell work is a little bit more intentional. Mm -hmm. Because that is spell work, isn't it? And I have been called a purist on these kinds of things, but it's worth the thought. All right, y'all, that's enough. Um, I'm just not feeling very well this week. I'm not sure what's going on yet. Maybe it's just a sinus infection. I'll get back to y'all on it. I wanted to thank Nocer and Paige for joining our Patreon over there with the Bat Children family. And I'm sorry about all that extra content sent in that very day that you guys joined. And I'm sure that was a little overwhelming. But I'd like to do that about once a month, if not more, and we're having a lot of fun. So if you want to support the podcast and become part of that, look for the link 
or go right to Patreon and look for Southern Fried Witch. I do have a little bit of an idea for another podcast I'm thinking about starting. It's going to be a little bit different than what I'm doing right here. Still witchy, but I'm only going to release it over in Patreon when I do for at least the first few months to see what you guys think about it. So come check us out. I got to go, y'all. I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Let's hope it isn't COVID. Let's hope it is a sinus infection. God, that's a weird thing to say out loud, isn't it? I'm tired. Next week, I'm sure I'll be a lot more interesting. Y'all, I decided to break back in here. Still losing my voice, but there is this author that I feel very akin to. And she writes for Farmerish Journal. And this just really is exactly how I feel about farms and growing food in general. So I thought I would share it with you. Here it is. I remember my grandma pining for the solidness of her past on a brick porch, leaning into a place that felt more real than the here and now. The air smelled different then, she assured me, gnawing on the last of her thumbnail. She regaled me with stories of milk boxes kept in cold running creeks and homegrown greens simmering in cast iron pots. I heard tales, quite against my will, of the wonders of a tomato stalk and how the perfume of those leaves could inspire romance much more than the wild roses along the dirt roads of Alabama. I can still hear her as she addressed a long-gone field of beans and a story carved from work and sweat and determination. My grandma wove those moments together, a quilt born of a farming life, staining it in the colors of muscadine, blueberry, and turnip until I could almost taste the soil of it all on the back of my tongue. And while she talked, she closed her eyes. That was 40 years ago now. My hair is going white, my back is not so reliable anymore, and some days the dirt under my nails doesn't pay so well. But then I end up sitting under the stars with friends and find myself going long on the subject of propagation or the first flush of zucchini before the squash borers land or how lovely garlic braids can be hung in a kitchen. What I don't notice is the moment that my eyes close, but I've been told it is my way when speaking of my farm. I reckon they're right. After all, this work is a prayer. Y'all, sorry, I am losing my voice. Summer is threatening now, thickening my skin and deepening the water and the air. The figs are turning pink and warning me that soon will come the canning, the harvesting, the pickling, and the preserving. I find myself apologizing to the orb weavers for my careless wandering and pluck their golden webs from my arms. It's all become a part of me now, I know. No longer do the mosquitoes bite, for I am only a plant here. My memory is of the seed that came before, the ancestors of a harvest, and in these sweltering days of the growing time, I am woven into the story, a hand-stitched spine of a book I'm too young to read. At least, not quite yet. It is the closest I'll ever come to something divine this farm in life, and most days it is enough. But when it's not, when the buzz of politics and war, taxes and deadlines scrape at the edges of all that is good and sweet of this life, 
I recall the scent of tomato leaves against my skin. It surrounds my spirit and sinks into the worn places that I've forgotten to patch. And there, in that green and merciful grace, I close my eyes. Anyway, that was just an excerpt of something I thought was meaningful. Gross something, y'all. Love you like chickens. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south. <laughs>